Unencumbered by political correctness, undeterred in her mission to spread the truth, unafraid to be a true conservative, she's unapologetic, uncompromising, unwavering, and an undeniably powerful voice when we need it most. This is Rose Unplugged. This podcast episode is brought to you by MyPillow. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better... (laughs) Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you will ever own. Say goodbye to tossing and turning and flipping your pillow over in the middle of the night, and you know you do it. It's MyPillow.com, promo code ROSE. On this episode of Rose Unplugged, I invited someone that I think speaks so well to the issues that we all have when it comes to sleeping. Oh my gosh, if you're like me... It's not easy sometimes to get to sleep and sometimes not easy to stay asleep. So I invited Dr. Singh, who's the author of Sleep to Heal, Seven Simple Steps to Better Sleep. Dr. Singh, how are you today? I'm doing well, Rose. It's a pleasure to be with you. Did you get a good night's rest last night? You know, I actually did. How about you? I did not. And that is why I'm so excited to have you on. <laughs> I, I think I started to fall asleep, at, tried to fall asleep at 10 p.m. and didn't do it until about 3.30. And that was only after I took Cyquil. So you can see why I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> yes, I can. So what, why did you decide to focus on sleep, particularly in this book, Sleep to Heal? Because are a lot of people experiencing difficulties like myself? Yes, unfortunately they are. And some of this I would like to err and stick my neck out and say some of this is man-made and some of this is natural and genetic. And what's happened is that we have become such an evolved society with the presence of so much of artificial light and so much of stimulation that we are losing the art of unplugging. Mm. You know, we are not a 24-7-365 machine. Unfortunately, society has placed trophies on that kind of culture and behavior. 24-7-365. Yes. In fact, the Americas are guilty uh, of overworking. We have the least amount of vacations. We are always working. You look at the world across the Atlantic, you know, afternoon naps, long breaks mm. are welcome. Uh, India, Asia, it's understood. If you're sleepy, it's okay. They catch a nap. Whereas sleepiness in the U.S. is a sin. Tired is a trophy. So here we are talking Boy, about so, people losing sleep. You are so right. And you know, even after I've put in a really good long day of work, I will lie in bed and think about how much work I didn't get done or what I need to do the next day. Do you have tips for someone like that who is lying in bed thinking about what they didn't get done and what they have to do yet? Correct. So the bed is not the place for that. So I call this planning 
There is a term in the world of sleep medicine called scheduled worry time. If you want to call that, it sounds a bit negative. But um, I just call it a scheduled planning. So instead of doing this while you're laying in bed till two in the morning, take some time out, like 20 minutes, and build it into your planning routine. So I tell people, sleeping is a ramp. It's not a screeching halt where you've slammed the brakes on your day and you've suddenly flipped a switch into you know, like a gear in a car. It doesn't work like that. It's more like a gentle prep and take off as a flight is, right? You prepare for that. For a, for a flight that's going to take off at, you know, 11 p.m., are you there at the airport at 11 p.m.? No, you're there a good hour and a half earlier, right? Mm. Generally speaking, I like that. at least in today's day and age. So prep for that, right? There's security, there is bag check, there is gate check, then you get into the plane, you sit, there is the announcement that all of us love to hear. And then there's, and if you're lucky, the plane will leave the jet bridge at the at designated hour, let alone be in the air, you know? So that's how sleep is. And prep for that. And that should include a little bit of a wind down routine, you know, disconnecting from devices and stimulation, having a quick shower, having a little 20 minute, write down your day, write down what you got done, write down what needs to be done, write down a favorite moment of the day. And, and do it in a little diary and close that and put it away. That way you've swirled through everything that has happened and it's down on paper, addressed. And nobody slept better by trying harder. You know, this is a famous line by Dr. Daniel Erickson, one of our colleagues from New York. He says it, find me one person who says, hey, I tried so hard last night to sleep and I slept so well. <laughs> You're right. Like, it's just the like opposite. Rose herself. <laughs> exactly. The and, and Dr. Singh, it's self-sabotaging because I was thinking about all of these things I needed to do and what was going on in the world. And in fact, I had a very busy schedule today and yet... I really sabotaged myself. You know, I was worried that I wouldn't be on top of my game and get everything done I needed to do. So I'm only hurting myself when I do that. In my mind, I'll never have 30 days, 31 days a month of good sleep. I don't think it's possible. Is it possible? You know, it, everybody's sleep varies a little through the night. All of us live a practical life. And I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. You know, 15 years ago, I, I was a very theoretical, hardcore sergeant. Like, no, no to this. <laughs> No light, no. But I realize now I'm older. I have a I have a 10, 11 year old at home. I'm, I realize that I have to be more practical with life, and and so is sleep. You know, nobody builds muscles in a gym with two outings. You know, nobody loses weight on a meal plan in two nights, right, or right. two days. So it's a it's a repetition, uh, and you get into a rhythm, and you start to see benefits. And like I said, you know, good sleep begets good sleep. So if you get a couple of good patterns going, you get a few nights strung together, you start to get confidence in your routine. You start to feel better the next day, get more done, stick to your routines, come back and try less. The moment you try less, you sleep better. Yes, there'll be that odd night, that Sunday night where you have a big event the next day. And yes, you'll be a little naturally excited about it or a vacation coming up, an early flight. That's life. But then you have your regular routine to get back to once that's passed. And that's what you should keep focusing onward rather than, oh, my gosh, such a bad night. Oh, I knew it. It's my bad night that has led to this. Oh, my God, I hope I don't get it again. And now you start winding yourself up. And that's what I preach against. Yes, I, I can see where that would work. And, you know, let's get and one of the things I mentioned to you is that I did give in and take NyQuil or Zyquil, I should say. So 
when you do something like that, when you use some sort of sleeping aid, and, and what's weird is I had a father who recently passed and he had dementia. And I know for a fact that he did use sleeping aids. And, and I've read recently that they sometimes contribute to dementia. And you are correct in that regard. There has been some recent literature and some signals that, you know, poor quality of sleep and poor quantity of sleep can lead to poorer memory consolidation and cause forgetfulness in the short term. And now you chronically sleep poorly, that can accelerate some risk that you may have already carried through genetics. Then you add sleep aids to the mix and prescription versus non-prescription sleep aid. All of them have some kind of warning around them, you know, for chronic use. Because sleep is like eating or drinking water. The ability to eat or drink is in the same category, in my opinion, as sleeping is. So nobody should really have to coach you or assist you. or You, you don't need a pill to help you eat food, do you? Generally speaking, not. So sleep is the same way. And yes, there have been studies that demonstrate that you know sleeping pills slash prescription sleeping aids uh, do deplete the quality of your sleep thereby certain states of sleep are reduced and those states are vital for memory consolidation. And if you chronically take the sleep aid, you're depriving yourself of those certain nourishing sleep stages, which help consolidate memory. And now you multiply that by 15 years, guess what, right? So now you're into the category of advancing dementia. And when we talk about how it affects our health, how about losing weight? A lot of people who are struggling to lose weight are perhaps not sleeping well? Yes, they once they don't sleep well, you know, their appetite hormones get all wonky, meaning you're hungrier and you're satisfied with less. And these studies are well demonstrated. It's called leptin and ghrelin. So ghrelin is your hunger hormone, leptin is your I'm, I'm satisfied, Rose, don't eat any more hormone, you know, like we're right. good. Yes. So that, that goes missing if you sleep four hours or three or poor quality chronically, you want to eat more. You want to go to the, you know, the calorie dense, uh, flour laden, carbohydrate slice of pizza. Yes. Correct. Yes, Correct. exactly. Wow. Nobody who's tired goes to the salad bar. <laughs> Nobody, right? Because there's a reason why they call it comfort food, because it's comfort from yes. whatever you've had last night. You're tired. Like nobody wants to go to the salad bar once it's left <laughs> three hours. So when we talk about sleep, then how much would you say? Is it still eight hours? I mean, they used to tell us always, right? You've got to get eight hours sleep. In your estimation, is that still the, the special number, that magic number? I don't fight it. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine and the National Sleep Foundation, you know, periodically do polls and they've come out with expert guidance. If you're looking for adults 18 through 65, the guidance is between seven and nine hours usually should do well. Again, it's not a fixed eight for everyone. Some people may be fine with seven, seven and a half. I know my wife needs eight and a half uh, to feel good. And some people may need all the way through nine to feel their best. And it, it all depends on where you are. And then you can say, how do you find out what your number is? Then I tell them this. And this is uh, Dr. Charles Bay from you know, Pennsylvania says this. Figure out, figuring out your sleep number. So you, on vacation, when you don't have to wake up to an alarm, let yourself fall asleep naturally. And then let yourself wake up naturally for a few nights, maybe a week. You'll know naturally when you wake up without any forces of society and children and pets and alarms trying to tug at you, 
right? So whatever yes. that number becomes is is pretty much a number. Not in one or two nights, but a good week is what you need. Sometimes even 10 days to really figure out what, where you are. So I don't fight eight. If you aim for eight, if you get past seven, seven and a half, I'm satisfied and I'll accept that as a passing grade. <laughs> All right. And then what about, let's talk about that waking up naturally. I find that the older I get, I tend, well, listen, I, I've got to make a bathroom run. So usually, mm-hmm. is there something to waking up at a certain time every night? 4 a.m. seems to be, and it's not that I, I'm done sleeping. I'm not by any means. But for whatever reason, I tend to wake up and I'll look at the clock and I know what it's going to say. It's going to say 4 a.m. So do me a favor. Ship me that clock. I'll give you my address and you <laughs> ship it away from your bedroom. Never see it again. Because this is part thought learned behavior and it's part yes your bladder is making you get up you know as we age all of us if you've drank enough liquids close to bedtime you will feel the urge but guess what why is it so timed at four why not at 222 why not at 1:16? you'll notice that you look at the clock that's the first thing you do don't you as soon yes. as you're up your eyes go oh geez there it is and guess what 90 percent of the time rose you're probably within a 10 minute window 15 minute window of that time yes and you'll, you'll realize that now you've taught yourself in a Pavlovian format. Oh, no. All right, give me your address when we're done. I'm sending you that yes. book. You're right. Yes. <laughs> no kidding. Vigilante.com. Send it to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go over your website. We're talking to Dr. Singh. That's S-I-N-G-H. He is the author of Sleep to Heal, Seven Simple Steps to Better Sleep. And what is your website? Well, uh, you know, Charlotte, my co-author, gets credit for this. She came up with the idea to put it together. It's called www.sleepvigilante.com. And it tells you a little about me, who I am, why I do what I do. Great. All right. Vigilante, sleepvigilante.com. Dot com. Yep. And so, all right. So when we were talking about, okay, what happens, though, if you, do you need to answer the call to empty your bladder every night? I guess we must. If you truly do, if you do wake up and you want to, you feel the urge to empty the bladder, do it. But don't check time. Don't light too many lights up. Right. And come back and let sleep come to you. Because as soon as you see the clock, guess what happened? Now there's a timer in your head saying, yes. okay, Rose, you've got about two hours and 36 minutes yes. to the alarm. So you better go back to sleep quickly right now. And then guess what? It's harder to do it. And you're, then you're tossing, turning and like, oh, please, please, come on, come on, come on. And it's tougher. And what I tell people is if you didn't know, then you wouldn't know. You'll say, oh, well, it's dark outside. It's October. So might as well. Well, well what are we going to do? Let's go to bed. There's a lot of night left. And so you'll struggle less. And, you know, find me one person in the world who woke up and looked at the clock and said, oh, it's three o'clock. Wonderful. I have another three beautiful, beautiful hours of sleep left. And they went right back to sleep. Very hard, right? It's yes. not so. What happens when you do? Let's let's say I, and, and I do try to keep all the lights off, except I do look at the clock, but all of the lights off and make my way into the restroom, into the bathroom, and, and then back to my bed. But there are times then that I cannot get back to sleep. And let me ask you, is it is it bad for your health or your sleep? to wake up like that and, and be dis- disturbed, to have your sleep disturbed in that way? I mean, chronically, it's going to leave you more fatigued uh, and less alert in the day and tired. And you'll feel sleepy in the afternoon. 
because you've not received your full complement of seven or eight hours that you're used to. So I tell people this, okay, if you are feeling the urge and you really go a lot, I mean, if you feel like you avoided a lot, then you're probably drinking a lot of liquids close to bedtime. So I would reduce those two to three hours yes. before bedtime. I would minimize any more fluid intake and make sure you try and empty your bladder before you climb into bed, you know? So now you have the whole night of hopefully uh, uninterrupted sleep, let's say, or even if you do get up briefly because there's a habit formed, it's easier to go back to sleep without the urge of getting up to go to the bathroom, number one. Number two, if you do come back to bed, it will be harder to go back to sleep, so know that, but then you can set up some behavior such as maybe doing a breath count me mechanism, right? So four in, five hole, six out. So count your breath. What are you doing now? What you're doing now is you're not trying to sleep. You're focusing on your breathing. Uh -huh. And then sleep will find its way back to you. You reminded me of something I read the other day about World War II, I believe. The men serving in World War II were taught how to sleep, even though some of the most horrific things are going on all around them. And they were taught to just relax their body. And they had it down to like a few minutes where they could get to sleep because it was essential, right? Yeah. They needed their sleep. So they would relax their body, starting with their jaw and their mouth and, and bringing that down, mm -hmm. you know, through your body, down your arms, your fingers, your legs and toes. And actually, I think it yeah. has the same effect as you just mentioned with the breathing, because once I did that one night, I thought, wow, I did fall asleep pretty quickly after that. Because again, I think it's all about just not being more conscious of what I'm relaxing rather than thinking about sleeping. Correct. So what the most important thing you're doing is not trying to sleep. Right. That's why you are able to sleep. It's that's the beauty of it. So, you know, clenching, relaxing, head to toe relaxation, visualization, all of that is great. And the basic principle is that Rose is not trying to sleep. She's thinking of something else and her sleep drive is still going on. It's not as strong as it was four hours ago. It's like you've used, you know, 70% of your phone battery. It's not going to last you very long before recharge, but then it's hard to resume sleep again, right? Yes. With the same, uh, same quick intensity. Therefore, you don't try to sleep and let whatever little uh, sleep you have left drive-wise take over. And that's what the military does. That's what the breathing routine does. That's what these light relaxing music does. Yeah, anytime you don't try to sleep, you will sleep easier if it's the right time and environment. I'm embarrassed to tell you. I can see now after talking to you, I know all of the things I do wrong, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I bring my laptop no. into the bedroom. I, I I work on it before I'm ready to call it a, you know call it a night. Uh, so I'm looking at the 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 computer screen. I'm looking on my phone. I'm probably doing everything I shouldn't be doing, and I probably shouldn't bring any work into the bedroom. So what, bringing your laptop to your bed and working on it before sleep, it's like eating a pizza with breadsticks and ice cream at the same time in your bed, right? That's the amount of stimulation you're giving yourself and your gut and your nose and your senses. It really is. And guess what happens at night? Your pupils are pretty dilated because the room is generally darker, right? Yes. In, if your pupils are dilated, Imagine all that bright screen right flush up against your face and that's putting in so much of light and stimulation that it is signaling to your brain like, hey, Rose, it's pretty bright. So it must be waking time. We'll, we'll wait. The sleep crew is ready to take over, but we they put them on hold now because look, says you're awake. And then you flap your laptop screen down 
And then it's still pretty warm. The brain, the engine, it's like you've driven into a, for an oil change. And they're not going to suddenly, as soon as you drive in, open your engine and start changing the oil. No, they'll say, okay, open your hood and let it sit for a little bit, like five, seven minutes or whatever that is. So let it cool off a bit. That's when they'll touch the engine. The same way the brain acts, the same way your mind is not ready. It's like preheating the oven. Like you never take pizza out of the out of the uh, frozen and just slam it into the, I mean, microwave or something. Like you let it at least thaw for a little bit for it to for it to cook, right? Or you don't slam it into the oven directly. You let the oven preheat a little bit. Then it gets warmed up. Then you thaw your pizza and put it in for a good cook. So anyway, I can throw you analogies after analogies. But yes, all those things. <laughs> those you are should, good. You should keep away from your bed. You're, yeah, keep away from the bed. Oh, yeah. God. You're pretty good at those analogies, by the way, Dr. Singh. Now, your book is Sleep to Heal, Seven Simple Steps to Better Sleep. And I didn't want to give everything away because I want people to purchase the book. Where can they buy the book? Well, uh, anywhere they buy books uh, or even ebooks. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, uh, Books A Million, uh, wherever they purchase material, they can buy. Sleepvigilante.com, they can go there and click books, and it has all the websites listed, uh, thanks to my web designer and Charlotte. So anywhere they buy books, they can get them right. quite easily. And that's sleepvigilante.com. The name of the book is Sleep to Heal, Seven Simple Steps to Better Sleep. Dr. Singh, before we go, two questions for you. One, I can never, I've never been a napper, don't know how to do it, can't do it. But is napping a good idea ever? Yes, if it's short, uh, like 25 minutes or less, and if it's between 1 and 4 p.m., and for those who sleep at night, if it's in that time frame and it doesn't interfere with your nighttime sleeping ability, it's a fantastic idea. Not everybody needs to nap. I, I'm sort of, I'm falling out of love with the word nap because naps are reserved for small babies and children. After that, the adults, it almost feels like a pressure to sleep. Like if I say nap, meaning, oh, did you sleep a little? Whereas nap should be replaced by a refresher, a recharge, I feel. You lay down, shut your mind off, don't think of things. And even if you slept great, if you didn't, great. You just disconnected. And if you laid horizontal and just left your body to gravity, you'll wake up refreshed. You know, a lot of people have shown this, that this is much more refreshing uh, than a, a cup of coffee or a donut at 3 p.m., you know, and people feel better through the evening and it's healthy. Uh, Europeans do it, the Asians do it, Indians do it, you know, back home. So it's built in. Well, I'm Italian, so I must, I'll tell you this though, and I will say that you're absolutely right about the refreshing aspect of it. I might not sleep, which I don't. I'll, I have so many times tried to during the day, in the middle of the day, if I didn't get enough sleep the night before, but I will tell you this, if I lie there, just like you said, for 20 minutes, I'm surprised by how well I feel. And I literally go to bed, get under the covers, put the, close the blackout blinds. I mean, I've got it all, Dr. Singh, the blackout blinds and a eye mask and earplugs because I can't handle any noise or light at all when I finally do call it a day. But you know, I think you're absolutely right. There is something that's quite refreshing. And it's surprising to me that just 20, 25 minutes can do that for you. It absolutely can. Athletes, you know, I work with the uh, NBA 
and the Indiana Pacers, my favorite basketball team in town. And I <laughs> preach this to them. And oh yeah, and then these are elite athletes, you know, elite. And I said, if you did that little bit, it's like a superpower. Nobody knows it. Nobody's using it. And everybody has it in their pocket and they don't use it. <laughs> I like that. So and use it. Yeah. Can you just quickly to talk about some of the other um, benefits to your health that good sleep will allow you? So sleep is really all encompassing. There's nothing that you can hurt yourself with if you improve your sleep. Nobody came back to me in the last 20 years of my research, you know, training and practice and said, you know, Dr. Singh, you helped me with my sleep. I'm sleeping better. And I hate you for that. I want my <laughs> old poor sleep back. So that's the first piece. Second, you know, proper sleep is shown to enhance your immune system. So less infection. Proper sleep is shown to enhance your Appetite regulation. So you're not as hungry. It improves metabolism. Number three, it, it helps your heart, your muscles, your uh, tissues recover and restore themselves. So you are actually living better. Number four, it, you get hurt less. So for athletes, they are known to make less mistakes, less injuries. And if they do get hurt, they recover faster. Number four, memory. Uh, you talked about dementia earlier in, in your father, unfortunately, who had to experience that. So there has been, uh, emerging evidence says that Proper sleep actually nourishes the brain and clears out gunk from the brain because um, the, the fluid that bathes our brain is, is moving faster when you're sleeping properly, meaning clearing out the gunk like a pressure wash. And they've talked about skin health, liver health, gut health. I mean, we can keep going. Mood is a huge one, right? So if you're sleeping poorly, remind, rem remember how you felt the last when you slept for four hours. Were you a pleasant person or were you an irritable person? Were you, yeah, no prizes for guessing that. I mean, you can see this in kids. You take their nap out of the day of a toddler. You know how they behave. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, this epidemic of ADD that we have in our society. Guess what? What are these kids doing till one in the morning? They're staring at a screen, mm. uh, scrolling through a screen. And now we're labeling them with diagnoses. And I find it unfair. That almost 30 plus percent of, you know, mood disorders now, especially in the younger teens, attention deficits, straight up. You can tie, tie a knot on that and say this is poor sleep. Wow. And uh, so I can keep going. Yeah, sleep is something very important that we should not be sleeping on the importance of any longer. Well, thank you. We're talking to Dr. Singh. It's S-I-N-G-H. He's the author of Sleep to Heal, Seven Simple Steps to Better Sleep. And it's it's a book that's going to reshape the way you think about sleep. I think he's already done that for you and give you strategies and tools that you need to transform your life from the inside out. And then, of course, he says one peaceful night at a time. I love it. I, I think a lot of people will benefit from this book, Dr. Singh, Seven Simple Steps to Better Sleep, Sleep to Heal by Dr. Singh, S-I-N-G. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a true pleasure. And remember, tomorrow starts tonight. Oh, so start tonight. Oh, that's good. I like that. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye now, Rose.